all of that, uh, the scriptures and everything, I just want you to kind of remember that in the back of your mind. I'm going to share an incident from 30 years ago. Now, what happened just now was was fresh. And it was it's, it's still kind of raw. And you just think, ah, okay, Lord, I still love you. I'm I'm learning to trust you again. Time does heal. This happened back in San Pedro, uh, California. And by the way, I just needed to also say, the doctor, the robotic uh, surgery that I had, this doctor did robotic surgery. He was from Bergen, Norway, which is where Paul's relatives are from. He had been in San Pedro and studied in Long Beach. So God sometimes allows little things you know, to just make you feel a little comfortable and connecting so that you're not just just saying, Lord, I really do not like this idea. We had been praying after our third child, Gabriel, was born. We had, were carrying another child. We knew it was a boy. We named him Karsten. We prayed for him. Oh, yay, his name means Christian. So, Wow. We prayed for the Holy Spirit. And uh, one week before he was due, we went in for uh, ultrasound. They could not find the heartbeat. Now this, most of you can't relate to anything like this except this was a tragedy for us. This, this was shocking. I just ran to to cry by myself and I thought who is that voice that was my own voice I didn't recognize the just from the depths a mother's voice crying this baby um, went straight to heaven and it took months for me to be able to read the word to be able to sing to be able to hear music I was definitely this way. And I I did have fear for another child. Uh, I, I had fears even when our um, son Gabriel had grown up and went to Iraq. Lord, something could happen to him too. Paul, couldn't you stop him from going to Iraq? Uh and the Lord gave me peace. Finally, when I could just pour out my heart. And in this case, when we lost this baby, I couldn't talk to the Lord. I, it, it was a season, a season. When you go through the grief process, you have the process of just not wanting to hear anybody's advice, any scripture verse. And that's the time when I went down to the ocean weeks later and I heard the Holy Spirit say, could I just come through a crack in your heart? And I saw wave after wave after, you know, coming and it reminded me of God's love, God's love over and over. And I said, yes, you can try if you want. How noble of me. 
that was a start. That was the start of healing because I allowed the Holy Spirit to come and start healing my heart. You know, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's the only one that I felt really understood me. <laughs> and I did think about other people, other cases, and and it was uh, easier for me to talk to other people who had been through pain and suffering. Now, it took about eight months before I was really healed where I felt like, Lord, I can trust you again. And do you know that the baby that was born after the baby we lost, well, that was our Erica. And she was double the weight of the baby we lost. And she was due on my birthday. Yes, whoever said that. <laughs> now, do you think the Lord was trying to say something to me? He was trying to get my attention. Come on. I love you. I love you. And, of course, I said, oh, Lord, my birthday. That's, I'm busy on my birthday usually. <laughs> but, well, and he said, well, okay, well, she could have a couple days later then. <laughs> so she was born <laughs> a few days later. God is good. And he did restore me and renew me and refresh me again at that time. He gave me peace again. I was able to sing again. And, you know, I still don't have all the answers. But I have the Lord. So. However it works. Thank you, honey. Grab a Bible if you don't have one. Everybody needs to be able to see it. Turn it to Job chapter 2. There are a couple up here. There are a bunch of them right above you on the shelf there. Everybody needs to see it. Job chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. I'm going to read it out loud, and I want you to... You're going to tell me what the points are of my message here. Karen shared the story. I'm going to share two things. What helped and what happened. Let's share what helped. First of all, what happens. To see what helps, we're going to read from Job chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. As I read this, you're going to answer this question. What did they give to Job? What gifts did, did they give to Job? I have four. Maybe you'll come up with five. So see what gifts they gave him, and then I'm going to ask you what they are. Job's three friends. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, and they had made an appointment together 
to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they raised their eyes from afar and did not recognize him, they lifted their voices and wept. And each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. That was probably a time for us of our greatest grief. Is Karen? Okay. Our, that was great grief, as you can expect. We had prophetic words about this child. This child, they said it was going to be different. It was very different. Unexpectedly different. And it was such a shock that it was like taking your breath away, only not for a minute, but for a longer period of time. It was unreal. Job had incredible loss. So he had these three friends, and they gave him at least four gifts. What gifts did they give him? Okay, they gave him mourning. That's one gift, yeah. They gave him time. That's another gift. What else did they give him? Pardon? Tears. Tears. That's mourning. We'll put those together, okay? Mourning and tears. They gave him silence, number three, presence. I want to talk about those four things and how significant they are because it's so easy to miss somebody that's really in mourning. It's happened to you before, hasn't it? where you've been down and someone didn't come to your level. I experienced this not long ago where I was asked to pray for someone who was 17 weeks in and had a miscarriage. I came over to pray. Someone was praying. And say this person was, that was uh, sorrowful, they were at a, at a one or a two. This person prayed a seven prayer. God's going to use this. God's going God's to work it out. God's a victor. He's got it all planned out. He knows who you are, and he's going to help you. Did that prayer help? It could help maybe four months later, but it couldn't help at the time. Because if you're down there, you need somebody that will come down to where you are, not pull, try to pull you up to where they are at. You're not validating who they are, how they're feeling, what they're going through. And so let's look at these four things that Job's friends, first of all, they gave him presence. I, I had a chance when we were in California to thank my friend Luther because when we were going through this, Luther came, he just showed up. And that's my word to you. When people are in pain, show up. You want to know what to say? Don't. You don't have to say anything. In fact, it's better if you don't. Because if you open your mouth, you may very well say the wrong thing. 
as far as I was concerned, this person shouldn't have prayed for this girl because they weren't reaching her, and that prayer was pushing on her and making her feel uncomfortable. And when you feel like you have to say something, if you open your mouth, you might start preaching, and they don't need a sermon. If you're going through a time of real struggle, but presence, yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. As we know, as we heard even tonight, God is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Does it feel like he's near? It didn't feel for Karen like God was near, either at the hospital. She had five hours of horrendous pain. I wasn't able to do anything but watch her and pray for her. And the doctor was surprised when he found out that they did not give her any medication. She had a lot of stitching going on inside. So she had terrible pain, excruciating pain. And she had no medication to lighten that. And so for five hours, it was, it was living hell like that. It was, it was very, very hard. And when they finally said, well, the anesthesiologist finally said, okay, give her, give her some medication. Her blood pressure did not go down and ease the pain. Of course, that was wonderful. So the first thing that Job's friends gave him was presence. Then they gave him silence. How long were they silent? Think about that, how kind they were. When we read the book of Job, we say, what idiots these guys were. But they weren't idiots to begin with. They sat for seven days without saying a thing. We'll see in a moment what caused them to open their mouths. But they gave him silence. It's far better to give silence than to say something. A friend of mine who just lost his wife to cancer said, the greater the pain, the fewer the words. Good to remember that. If someone got a B instead of an A, go ahead and try to comfort them. No big deal. I mean, that's not a big loss. But to lose your wife, to lose your child, that's a huge, huge loss. What can you say? Nothing. You can say nothing. But you can weep. You can come. You can, you can be with them. They gave him their presence. They knew they couldn't say anything. And so if you have to say something, say, oh, I can't imagine. Or how horrendous. No answer. Don't try to defend God this time. Don't try to bring God into the picture. He's already there. And he's not talking. God does not usually talk in times like this. But he shows up. And so that's our cue, just simply to show up. If you wonder if you should be there, a pastor friend told me once, he said, Paul, I've come to the conclusion you'd be with people at their highest points and at their lowest points. What good advice. If someone's having a low point, you show up. We remember those who showed up. I said, Luther, thank you for showing up. 
So if you wonder whether you should be there, you don't have to wonder. If they're going through a really bad time, just show up. If you wonder what to say, let me be real blunt. Show up and shut up. You don't have to say anything. It's better if you don't. Far better. I hear it all the time. I've heard prophetic words. After somebody had a, a long miscarriage, waited for a long time, that had a miscarriage, I heard a wonderful prophetic word. I wish I could have closed their mouth because that's not the time for a prophetic words. not the time to get spiritual. It's just the time to, to be silent. That's the best thing to be spiritual is to be silent. So you give them presence. You give them silence. And if you can, you give them tears. If you want to know how to do this, talk to Naomi. Naomi can do it better. Where is Naomi? Paul says in Romans 12, what does he say? Rejoice. But those who rejoice. See, if they're at that level, you go to their level. If they're rejoicing, you rejoice right along with them. You get where they are. Connect with them and validate their rejoicing. Instead of being a grouch, if you're, not, if you're not there, just go with them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And if they're weeping as best you can, weep with them. It doesn't say to say anything. It says to weep. I'm not real good at doing that. But I, I, I want to do my best to try to connect right where they're at. If they're at a one, I go to a one. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, who knew he was going to raise Lazarus, still wept. He identified with them and he himself wept. He was sad. He was sad for his friends Mary and Martha. And he, he wept. Weep with those. And then you give him time. It took quite a few months for Karen. During that time someone said to her after quite a few months isn't it about time you get over this? Probably not the best thing to say. If, if you try to say something, and I've done it myself, you'll probably be wrong. You say something like, you know, I know how you feel because I, I went through something like that. You know how that makes you feel? You want to argue with them and say, no, you don't. Don't, don't make them start an argument by telling them that you know how they feel. You don't know how they feel. The Proverbs says no one knows the sadness of the human heart. So you can't, you can't identify with them. You can't try to connect with them on that basis. You can by weeping with them. But you can't by saying, I know how you feel. I know what you're going through because I went through this. Maybe down the road, six months or six years later, hey, tell me about that again. Is this anything like this? Because I experienced this. Would, would, would that be anything like They gave them time. They gave wonderful gifts. What, uh, what caused them to open their mouths? Let's see what happened here. After this, listen to this now. Do you know when someone is in that place, they're not sure if they can trust you to say something because they're probably going to say something that sounds to you like it's heresy. Did you hear, did, were you surprised with what Karen said? 
Was anybody surprised what, what she said? She, couldn't, she didn't sing for about nine months. That's surprising. Did, how, how that affected her? You want to talk to her and say, you shouldn't, have been, you shouldn't have been like that. You could. Some people did. That's what Job's friends finally did. They said, Job. God got angry with them. He didn't get angry with Job. God can handle it. If you feel like you have to preserve God's reputation, you're going to lose yours. He can, he can protect himself. He can, he can handle himself. He wants you to silently love and silently support when people say things that might be a surprise to you. You don't have to correct them. Here's what Job said. After this, after seven days, okay, that says something about their need to say something that may shock you or rock you. Are you ready for it when Christian friends say things out of their desperation? Have you read things that David said? Why would David say that? He's a believing person. Here's Job. And Job said, may the day perish when I was born. Oh, he's cursing the day of his birth. And the night in which I said a male child would conceive. May that day be darkness. May God above not seek it nor the light shine upon it. May darkness and the shadow of death not claim it. So we got this whole long chapter. Verse, chapter 4, listen to this. Then Eliphaz the Semenite answered and said, But who can withhold himself from speaking? Surely you have instructed many. He said, i, I got to say something. This, this is terrible. This is heresy. Finally felt like they had to talk. So, to review, four things that we want to give those who are struggling and who are in, who are in darkness. I don't, I don't mean just having a bad day. They've got, they've got things knocked out of them. You give them presence. You give them time. You give them weeping, mourning, sorrow. And you give them silence good gift. So what do we make of this? What, uh, what happened? What, did something go wrong? We had prophetic words. How do, we, how do we try to put that together? It's pretty hard to put things like that together. Do we say God took that child? Do we say that, that uh, God was in that? It's easy to become deterministic, predeterministic in the face of pain. Well, whatever will be, will be. Do you believe that? You move from faith to faith and say, well, whatever will be, will be. I don't believe whatever will be, will be. Because I believe that in cause and effect, I believe in the presence of Satan. I, I believe that things happen that I determine, that, that, that affect the, the change. So I don't. That's a bad song. Kesara, Sari, whatever it will be. The future's not ours to see. Kesara, no, no. So, so we must settle in and say, it happened. And I don't know why it happened. I don't know how it happened. In our case, the, the uh, umbilical cord was wrapped around the neck three times. So physically, we know that that 
choked the child. But how to put that together, we're, we're left with questions. Did Job get an answer at the end? He, he, God never told him, this was, a, this was a battle between Satan and me. And you were the target. He, God never told him. He just told him, I am God. He told him with two chapters about the sovereignty of God, that God is greater. And so we look at this and we say, we don't know God. But in the midst of it all, we trust you. So I want to I just take a moment now to pray. I want to pray for those who have maybe fairly recently gone through difficult times. I love my life. I, I love what God gives me. Every day, I love my life. I'll have to say life is harder than I thought it was going to be. Anybody else agree with that? Is life harder than you thought it was going to be? I didn't. We had two divorces in my family. We never heard the word divorce. I have two sisters that got divorced. Shocker. I never expected that. Never expect life would be that hard, that a pastor would, would divorce my sister. Life is a lot harder than I expected it to be. The Bible told me that, but I wasn't, wasn't ready for it. Jesus said, you don't have to worry about the troubles ahead. You're going to have enough troubles today. Jesus said that. He's giving me a realistic picture. Do I rejoice? Yeah. It says rejoice in the Lord always. But it says in the world you will have tribulation. I've overcome the world. So I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist. I'm a realist. I'm not a pessimist. But life is hard. And the grandfather said to the grandkids, life wouldn't be so hard if you didn't expect it to be so easy. Isn't that good advice? If you expect it to be a piece of cake, surprise. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to pray now for any who have gone through really, really hard times. And maybe you're still reeling. Maybe you haven't gotten over it. Heavenly Father, we don't know what's going on inside hearts, even as I talk tonight. We don't know how people are feeling. We don't, we don't know what they're experiencing. We don't know if they were rejected today in a way that, that, that knocked the wind out of them. We don't know what people are struggling with in their heart, identity issues, issues about their future, fear, dread, not being able to sleep at night. We don't know what people are going through. You do. And we pray that through the body of Christ, we pray that through the indwelling Holy Spirit, that you will come with your comfort, come with your holy presence and restore hope where people are finding it hard to hope. Maybe for years they have found it hard to hope. Maybe things happened in childhood that made it difficult. God, we pray that you would be so good to your family here that you would restore hope I think of some who had very difficult childhoods where they had parents who were distant or overbearing or abusive. 
I pray for you. I pray healing. Healing. Lord Jesus, let them know that you know what they have gone through, what they're going through. I pray that they would be able to feel your presence even when you don't say anything and they don't, they don't have an explanation for what they're going through. Holy Spirit, would you come and comfort? Just now let the Holy Spirit who breathes like wind, as you, as you take it in, let take in the comfort of the Holy Spirit into your heart. Because, as you know, ultimately the best one to comfort us is the Holy Spirit. The com- He's called the comforter. So Holy Spirit, would you comfort people tonight from within? Would you reconstruct their insides? Provide for them what they need to endure, but to do more than endure, to endure with joy. Would you give them experiences in the days ahead to help with the healing process? And if they need to grieve longer, would you give them the gift of grief? Show them how to do it when they don't even know how to grieve. I pray for all of us that we would be taught by the Holy Spirit how to be comforters. I pray that you would make us good at weeping with those who weep. Keep us from the feeling that we have to fix people. We're afflicted with that, by the way. It's not just the guys that try to fix people. Free us from having to change people's vocabulary or or their harsh words. Would you give us the ability to connect where people are? If they're in the pits, to actually go down in the pits with them. Enable us to do that so that we can show them the kind of love that can bring them to a place of healing. Father, we know that in the, in the next years, the next couple of years, there will be people here that will experience some difficult things. Just because we're drawing breath. We pray that in the midst of loss, 
they would find what they need to cope. And that out of the comfort that they have given to others and provided, the comfort would be shown back to them and they would receive plenty of comfort. So what we like to do now is turn this into a prayer time. And if there's someone that you're close to that's sitting next to you that could pray with you, maybe pray pray for comfort if there's a need. Maybe you want to share with somebody, I need some comfort. Maybe you're on the giving end, on the receiving end. Maybe you're both doing okay. And so you pray, Lord, make me a better comforter, however you want to do it. But... Uh, this can get personal. I'd, I'd suggest guys uh, with guys, gals with gals. Uh, so turn to somebody now. Just turn to somebody near you or, or move around. Find somebody. Okay? Shift. Move. 